Good morning, church family. I hope you've enjoyed your Christmas with your family and friends. Um, I'm excited. My sister and family came down from Wisconsin. But what's funny is the last time they were here was 2015. Do you remember Christmas 2015? Blizzard. <laughs> they come from Wisconsin and get a blizzard. So I think they're really enjoying the nice weather we're having this year. So, um, but I'm excited. Brian, Jeff, and myself have the privilege to lead y'all in a mini-series the next three weeks. We'll be call, we're calling it Reset. Reset. And I think we all need a reset after this last year, right? 2020 has been a doozy, right? Anybody else want to get out of 2020, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, um, but we hope to just encourage y'all um, to hit that reset button. Let's look at the major themes in Scripture and major in those majors, right? We want to keep the main thing the main thing. Anybody like donuts? Oh, I love donuts. <laughs> I would eat them every day if it wasn't bad for me. <laughs> I like them that much. So I got a donut here. I got a long john, nice big donut. This is the only way to go. It's the, it's the bigger size, right? So forget those little puny ones. I like donuts. But I also like bacon. Anybody else like bacon? <laughs> yes, we got some bacon lovers. And now I bake it in the oven, just so you know. My wife and I were talking about how, do you cook it on top or in the oven? It's best in the oven. It doesn't splatter everywhere. So, <laughs> anyway, right? A donut, an amazing treat that by itself is so delicious, so good. But yet bacon, by itself, so delicious, so good, just incredible, independently incredible. But I got a friend, his name's Jason Martin, introduced me to a masterpiece. He took bacon and put it in the maple long john donut, and it is good. <laughs> I fed this to our students one time. Sorry, parents. <laughs> but what a masterpiece that is to have bacon and donut together in one masterpiece. What a partnership. Man, I don't know if there's anything better, right? Anything food-wise. Bacon and donut, what a partnership, what a masterpiece. And I won't eat it in front of you, but <laughs> would anybody try that here? Would anybody be willing to try that? Kobe, come get this afterward. It's yours, okay? Kobe loves food. I know that much. We'd have leadership meetings and Kobe would sneak in. Anything left over? <laughs> it was awesome. So um, I, I use that as a fun illustration to where we're going today. We're going to be talking about a beautiful partnership, the great commandment. By itself, right? The great commandment by itself, beautiful. And the great commission by itself, beautiful. But put these two together, and we have a masterpiece. It's God's design. We're going to first, you don't have to go there yet, but we're gonna, I'm going to read the great commandment. And here's what it says um, in Matthew 22, 36. I will start in 37. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love uh, your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Jesus clearly explains the great commandment. It's about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and loving your neighbor as yourself. Loving God, loving others. That's the great commandment that the Lord left with us, left to us. 
But then we also have the Great Commission. I'm just going to read that because that's going to establish the rest of our morning. Here's the Great Commission, Matthew 28. And many of you know this, right? Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And then he says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Jesus here is saying, go, make disciples, make other Jesus followers. I'm with you. Go and do it. Go and teach them to observe. Teach them God's word, right? To observe everything I've commanded you. So we're going to look at the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, the Great, right? And we're going to look at those together in one beautiful partnership. In our text today, and you can turn to Acts 3, that's our main text. In our text today, we will see a couple of disciples stop and love someone well by meeting their physical needs and then go and share the good news of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what Jesus modeled for us. And you can't help but read the Gospels and see Jesus stop often, often, often to meet physical needs. But then as you keep reading on, he often, 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 he goes and shares spiritual truths. This is what Jesus modeled for us. Jesus modeled this stop and go lifestyle. He modeled it well. And now we're going to see his disciples pick that up, right? We're going to see disciples, Peter and John specifically, do the same. They're living out this stop and go lifestyle. So let's pause for a moment. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for a chance just to be here this morning to worship you. Um, Lord, would you um, help us to dive into your word? Help us to read it, understand it, God. Help us to apply it to our lives. And Lord, be honored and glorified in this time. Lord, would you speak to our hearts by your word, through your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we dive into Acts 3, um, let me just give you a little bit of context. Acts 3 happens after the crucifixion, after the resurrection, and after the ascension of Jesus. Um, he said, Jesus is in heaven at the right hand of the Father. But before he left and ascended to heaven, Jesus told his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the promised Holy Spirit. And we see God, the Holy Spirit, then come and empower his disciples to carry out the mission of God to go and make disciples of all nations. And we see that in Acts 2. You can read about it. All right, so there's the context. We're going to read Acts 3, verse 1. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at our prayer, the ninth hour, and a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. 
And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gates of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. It was about the ninth hour, about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. It's time to go to the temple and pray. And Peter and John were walking to the temple to do just that. And a man who was lame from birth was being carried to the temple. And this happened daily. He was just being carried to the temple to, to beg for money, right? That's how he, he met his needs. He needed money. He had no source of income. But he was begging for money. And, but I wonder, I just wonder, how many people would just walk by him just daily almost? Just walk by him daily, going into the temple to pray. I'm sure there's plenty who stopped, right? But I wonder how many people also just walked by this man daily, almost avoiding eye contact. I do it sometimes, right? I see, I see if uh, someone waving a sign possibly, and I'm like, don't look at him, <laughs> don't look at him. I know I'm not alone, <laughs> right? But I wonder how many people just walked by him daily. After all, he was a nobody in society, right? He was just a man with disabilities who made his livelihood by begging. I like to set up social experiments for my students sometimes. And there's one time I dressed up as a homeless man. Some of the leaders might remember this. I dressed up as a homeless man. I had a baseball cap on, had sunglasses on, put on some shabby clothes. And I sat at the top of the stairs going down into the youth room. I think Thomas and Michaela remember this one. <laughs> um, what was interesting is I, I had a sign that says, please help, anything would do, please help. I just had to stop at the steps, and it was our ABF hour. It was at first at 9.30. And I just wanted to, you know, make a, a, a teachable moment. And so I sat there, and it was interesting to see the number of folks <laughs> even kind of like, I'm not looking, I'm not looking. I would have done the same, by the way. I'm not going to look. And one particular student, it was kind of interesting. Um, you know, some of the students came by. And normally they would go down the steps, right? But some students, they avoided the steps all the way and went through the long route, you know, to get into the youth room. But one man, I was so encouraged by this, this man, Scott Patterson. Anybody know Scott Patterson? I love what he did. He stopped. He stopped. He put his hand on my shoulder. Hey, buddy. He didn't know I was me. Hey, buddy. Hey, you want to come in for a cup of coffee? I'm like, oh, Scott, thanks for stopping. Man, this is awesome. Hey, I'm Bruce, by the way. Well done. <laughs> well done, Scott. You stopped. Thank you. Man, but that gave me a lot of hope. Man, Scott stopped for me. He invited me in to come get a cup of coffee. Thank you, Scott, wherever you are, if you're in the, in the room. But what a blessing to have him stop for me, you know. And so we went downstairs and we talked about it. And I know these students now, know them well. These, some of these students that walked by me at that time, they're doing evangelism on their college campuses. It's pretty awesome to see that. So I'm excited for that. But this man, he needs money, right? This man needs money. But Peter and John know his biggest need is not money. It's healing in Jesus, both physical and spiritual. So Peter and John stopped. They don't have money to give, but what they have to give is far, far, far more valuable. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong, and he leaped through the temple, praising God. 
when I taught this to our students, I taught this not too long ago, I went around the youth room just jumping, praising God, <laughs> just to kind of give them a feel, if I won't do that for you, so you're welcome. <laughs> but Peter and John stopped. They stopped their agenda for a moment to love on a man who desperately needed some attention. My challenge to us is to start with stopping. That's an oxymoron, right? <laughs> to start with stopping. Stopping what's on our agenda, on our schedule, on our to-do list, that we might meet someone's need as it arises. To start with stopping. So who is it that you need to stop for? Is it a neighbor? Is it someone in your family? Is it a coworker? Is it an international friend? Is it someone on your street who's waving their sign? I just want to encourage you, and, and this is speaking to me, to stop daily, maybe just for one person. Just look for opportunities to stop daily for one person. I, I, even, I encourage you to even pray this. Lord, who is it that you would have me stop for today. You never know what God can do that with that act of love, what God can do with that act of love. God, who is it that you would have us stop for today? Let's continue on. Acts 3, verse 11. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them in a portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. But you denied the holy and righteous one. That's Jesus, the holy and righteous one. And ask for a murderer to be granted to you. That murderer was Barabbas. And you killed the author of life who God, that's Jesus again, the author of life, who, who God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong, whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given the man, this perfect health in the presence of you all. All right. So the people are utterly astounded, right? They were in awe of what just happened. This is inconceivable, right? Wow, this man's healed. Sorry, that was a Prince's Bride quote. We just watched it. <laughs> inconceivable. Right? But a crowd gathers from all the commotion. And Peter and John notice that the people are looking to them for the explanation. So Peter addresses the crowd. He said, why do you look at us as if we did this? See, Peter knows who ought to get the glory for this. And it's not him, nor is it John. But he boldly proclaims that it was Jesus who heals this man. Jesus is the healer. 
But I love how Peter connects with his Jewish audience in this time. Listen, he says, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, he is the one who glorified his servant Jesus. Peter is connecting all the patriarchs, all those men that these Jewish folks have read about, right? All these folks that they've studied over the years. He's connecting these patriarchs to Jesus, that Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise given to the patriarchs. Well done, Peter. He connects that well and speaks directly to his Jewish audience. Then Peter boldly proclaims that it was Jesus, that Jesus was killed, but later raised back to life. See, Peter seizes that opportunity to share the death and resurrection of Christ, to share the gospel, right? So not only do Peter and John stop to love this man, to give this man some attention, to care for this man, but now they go and share the good news. Not only do we need to stop, but I want to challenge us also to go. It's the great commandment and the great commission working together for the great glory of God. So who is it? We're going to talk some application now. Who is it that you need to go and share good news with? Who are the people in your life that are far from Christ? Stephanie shared this quote for me. She was at BSF, and it's a quote from Kimberly, and I'm just so encouraged by it Um, because it can be awkward to speak the gospel, to share the gospel, right? It can be. But I love how she wraps this up. She says, one awkward moment for you could mean eternity for someone else. I like that. One awkward moment for you. This is perspective. One little awkward moment for you to speak the truth, to speak the gospel, could mean eternity for someone else. My challenge to you is to prayerfully look for opportunities to stop and go daily. Every day, be prayerfully looking. How can I stop and go? So here's a challenge. Um, Anybody hit a stop and go light? Um, on their way to work or on their way to school, anybody? So at those stop and go lights, I want to challenge you. While you're sitting there at that stoplight, God, who is it that you would have me stop and go for? Who is it that I can love today, today? What if that was our prayer every morning, going into school, going into work, or wherever we're, we're going? All right. Imagine with me just for a moment. Stopping without ever going. Imagine only showing love, doing acts of love, but never speaking the truth, the gospel truth. No one can be made right with God by just observing good works. No one. No one, right? No one. No one. And uh, I'll go to Romans 10. Romans 10 speaks to this. That we need to share those good works. Romans 10. I'll be in verse 14. Romans 10, 14 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? 
And then down to verse 17 there. So faith comes by hearing. And hearing through the word of Christ. So we need to, to see the gospel on display through acts of love, but we must hear the gospel, right, to have faith, to put our faith in Jesus. We must hear the gospel. Now imagine with me only speaking the truth, but without acts of love. Okay, now imagine with me that for a moment. Who wants that message, right? Only speaking truth without acts of love. When I was a college student, we used to have this group come to our campus, and um, it was a, supposedly a Christian group or a church. I'm not sure exactly who they were, um, but they would come and just bring a message of condemnation, right? A message of, you sinners, repent, right? And I remember he would growl, great, he would growl, draw a crowd of people and we'd be angry and mad at this guy because he's just casting judgment after judgment, condemnation after condemnation, right? This guy was trying to share God's word of repentance, but there was no love. I remember getting angry at this guy, thinking this has to be done in love. This is not right. This is not right. And I remember even going forward, kind of like, this has to be done in love. And he went like this, Sorry, I'm not here to fight, you know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this has got to be done in love. <laughs> That's <the> oxymoron. <laughs> he, even, he even used the Wisconsin. He used that, actually. <laughs> Wisconsin is the only state with sin in its title. You know, like, come on, buddy. Right? There was no love in that message. And I got to tell you, no one came, came to know the Lord that day. Imagine that, though, speaking truth without love. Do you see now how the great commandment and the great commission are partners, right? Ephesians 4, 15 says it clearly, speak the truth in love. Stopping and going are both needed. So I've got a question for you. Which way do you lean? This is a question just to think about. Do you lean more toward love without speaking the gospel truth? You're invested in relationships. You've committed time. You have relational equity. But have you spoken the truth in love and shared the gospel truth with that person? Right? Do you lean that way? Or might you lean the other way? Do you lean toward speaking the gospel but haven't put in the, the relational equity in the time and the commitment there to earn that, you know? Now, there's times for sure to share the gospel with a stranger. There are times as the Spirit leads, right? There are times for that. But which way would you lean? All right, let's see how this unfolds. We're going to be in Acts 4. Acts 4, verse 1. Acts 4, verse 1. Let's see how this unfolds. As they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and his Sadducees came upon them greatly annoyed, 
because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection from the dead. And they arrested them and put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who, who had heard the word believed, and the number of men came to about 5,000. On the next day, the rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and all, and all who were of the high priestly family. And when they had set them in their midst, they inquired, By what power, by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to this crippled man, to a crippled man, by what uh, means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So the religious leaders, they, were, um, they heard what Peter was speaking, and they were greatly annoyed. Why? Because they were proclaiming Jesus, right? They were speaking in the name of Jesus, proclaiming Jesus in the resurrection from the dead. And if you notice, the Sadducees were listed in that, in that list. The Sadducees and the Pharisees, these are religious, Jewish religious sects. And there was, the Sadducees were specifically named here because they didn't believe in resurrection. Pharisees believed in resurrection, not the Sadducees. And so you can see why there was... They were greatly annoyed. They're speaking this truth that Jesus was raised from the dead. So they had him thrown in prison. They kept him overnight. Or I'm not sure if it was prison, but they kept him overnight. But did you see what happened in verse 4 of Acts 4? Many who heard believed. Everyone say believed. Many who heard believed. Right? One awkward moment for Peter meant eternity for hundreds in this moment, possibly thousands. But what if Peter never spoke that gospel truth? Would have that healing just have saved that person or that group of folk? No, right? No. But the next day, the religious leaders gathered to question Peter and John. There was rulers and elders and scribes and Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas and John and many from the high priestly family. I got to tell you, this is a scary group of men. This is scary, especially when you consider that some of these men were the same men who influenced the Jews that Jesus should be put to death. This is a scary group of men. Specifically, Annas and Caiaphas were mentioned of those influencing the Jews to put Jesus to death. So if you're Peter and John, how are you doing in this moment, standing before this crowd, this, these religious leaders? I'm scared out of my gourd, right? So these religious men, they asked them, by what power or by what faith did you do this? And Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, God is empowering Peter to speak boldly. 
So Peter boldly, without hesitation, he says, it's Jesus whom you crucified, and again, whom God raised from the dead, speaking resurrection. It's Jesus who made him well. Again, Peter shares death and resurrection. Peter then goes on to share another bold truth, and I love this. And it's not a popular truth, even in our world, even in our society, but it is indeed the truth. Here's what he says. Peter, speaking of Jesus, says this, and there is salvation in no one else, no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Boom, right? That's a mic drop moment if there's ever been one, right? Jesus is the way, the truth, the life, and no one comes to the Father but through him. Do you and I believe that, right? And if so, what are we doing with that amazing truth? What are we doing with that amazing truth? All right, let's read our last section of Scripture. Acts 4, 13 to 22. All right. Now, when they heard, or I'm sorry, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. But seeing a man who was healed standing beside them, they had nothing to say in opposition. And when they had commanded them to leave the council, they conferred with one another, saying, what shall we do with these men? For a notable sign has been performed through them, is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And we cannot deny it. But in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, I love this, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. And when, they had, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them. Because, the, uh, because of the people, for all, were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom this sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old, right? He was an old man, like me, 40, over 40, Right? Um, so these are highly educated men. These religious leaders are highly educated. These are men of influence, men of privilege. But they were astonished at the boldness of Peter and John. Peter and John, they didn't have the proper education, according to these men. They were just common men. But in their eyes, in, in their eyes, Peter and John were just dumb fishermen. Say dumb fisherman. Anybody else a dumb fisherman? I'm a, I'm a dumb fisherman. Russ and I started the, the dumb fisherman club. <laughs> Russ Miller and I. So you guys are welcome to join us if you'd like. <laughs> it's open to all. <laughs> anyway, they were just dumb fishermen according to these religious leaders, right? But how could it be that these uneducated common folk could be so bold? What was it that was driving these men? It was Jesus, right? These religious leaders, these scary men, they made an observation. Peter and John had been with Jesus. They saw the connection. 
Peter and John walked with him, walked with Jesus, talked with him, ate with him, traveled with him, studied under him, and did life with Jesus. The question I want to consider for myself, and I hope you consider too, is would others recognize that I've been with Jesus? Would others recognize that you'd been with Jesus, that you have been with Jesus, right? Time spent in his word, just letting his words transform you, right? Letting his words just sink in deep, becoming like Christ by spending time in his word daily. Also time in prayer, just talking to God, just letting his thoughts fill you. But then also time in community, right? With other Jesus lovers. Let other Jesus lovers rub off on you so you become more of a Jesus lover, right? Time in community. Spending time with Jesus. Would others see that you and I had been with him? Because when you spend time with Jesus, you can't help but speak of him. See, these religious leaders didn't know what to do with Peter and John. So they just warned him, don't speak about Jesus. Don't speak in his name. But I love, we can't help but speak of what we've seen and heard, Peter and John. We can't help but speak of Jesus. It's just bubbling out of us, right? Especially after all they've seen. Man. Man. So um, just a quick story, and hopefully it, it, it encourages your hearts. Uh, we, we are getting to know our neighbors on our cul-de-sac. We've been doing that for a while. And we have a neighbor across the cul-de-sac that um, we just haven't connected well with. We know some of the others fairly well. But there's a neighbor across that we haven't connected well with. And they have a, a teenage son. He's a, he's a senior in high school this year now. Um, but one day, the mom came home. And Stephanie was home. I was, at, I was at the office here. And the mom came home and noticed that her, I think a washing machine or dishwasher was just just throwing water everywhere. The whole house was flooded. So imagine coming home to that. Your whole house is flooded. She had a really bad day this day. It gets worse. <laughs> and so then um, through all that commotion, the dogs get out. Okay? And then through all the commotion of that, the dog killed their cat. And then the dog bit her. <laughs> it was a bad day. Bad day. And she had this gaping wound on her, on her arm. They have huskies. And what a bad day. So she was just in a terrible way, right? My sweet wife engages with her in that moment, you know, just with the love of Christ. Stopped for our neighbor. Just got to connect and say, I'm praying for you. I'm so sorry. You know, it was just kind of a sweet moment. Stephanie, I think, wrote her a letter or text. Say, I'm praying for you. Well, later on, she got a text back saying, hey, the insurance covered everything in the house. Everything's covered. We're like, we're just celebrating. Yay. Yes, awesome, Lord. And so um, a couple weeks later, you know, we're kind of, how's your, how's your wound? You know, we're uh, talking with our neighbors. We're outside together in the, in the cul-de-sac. And, and it's healing up, doing great. Um, and Stephanie says, hey, um, they're to their teenage son, would you ever be interested, in, you know, would your teenage son be interested in coming to our Bible study? We have a Bible study in our house every Sunday night with high school boys, right? It's our Paul team, our leadership team. And, uh, and so Stephanie just kind of threw it out there. She's going, right? She is going. 
stop and go. And so um, I think it was that Sunday, um, I grabbed Cade, and I think it was Ethan. Was it Cade and Ethan? Yep, Cade and Ethan. And so we go over to his door, knock on the door. Hey, Brian, you want to come join us for a Bible study? We're right here, you know. He's like, oh, I'm busy. I got something going on. <laughs> okay, maybe next time. All right, see you, bye. <laughs> right? And we just kind of like, oh, man, that was our opportunity, right? Um, and so, but later that week, we had our Bible study. had a great time. And we just, keep, we just prayed, prayed for Brian. Stopping and going. The next, I was, I was over this Christmas break. He had some family in town, and all the neighbors were out in the cul-de-sac. It was a beautiful day. And we just started throwing a football round with just the folks there getting to know him. Um, one of the sons is home, for, you know, uh, and just got kids, and we're playing with our kids, we're playing with their kids. So just a really fun kind of neighborhood gathering, just spontaneous. And just started throwing the football around with Brian and with his brother. We're just throwing it back and forth, talking football, talking life. What do you want to do? You know, you're a senior. I don't know. <laughs> you know, you better figure it out. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> anyway, just having a great time. And he stops. says, Bruce, I want to join you guys someday for Bible study. I'm like, yes. <laughs> yes, can't get your number. Let me get your number. So, high school guys, get ready. Let's pray for, pray for Brian. So I'm excited for that. So hopefully in early January, he'll be joining us. That's the hope, right? We're stopping and going for the glory of God. We want to see worshipers worshiping the Lord. Um, so that's my encouragement to you. And, um, but here's the, here's the final challenge. Who will you stop for? It will cost you time, sometimes money, right? Sometimes status, Sometimes comfort. But that's the gospel, right? Look at what it cost Jesus to stop and go for us. And who we go and share with. This too will cost you, right? Time, sometimes status, oftentimes comfort, and oftentimes in the face of rejection. But one awkward moment for us in this life could mean eternity for someone else in the life to come. That's worth it. That is worth it. Jesus is worth it. He's the greatest gift we could ever, ever give. The greatest gift. Be with Jesus. My final encouragement, be with Jesus. Let his stop and go lifestyle rub off on you. And then trust him yourself to stop and go. Live out the great commandment and the great commission for God's great glory. I'm going to pray, and then uh, I think we got one more song. God, help us to, to do this. Uh, Jesus, you're the vine, and we're the branches. Um, if we abide in you and you in us, we will bear much fruit. But apart from you, we can do nothing. We understand that, Lord. So Jesus, help us to love you, God, to worship you truly day in and day out, at church on Sundays and, and every day of the week, every moment, Jesus. Help us to love you and then love others. <laughs> help us to look for opportunities to stop, look for opportunities to go. So, Jesus, we need you in this. We're scared. We, we acknowledge that. Uh, there's times that fear creeps in, Jesus. There's times that we're too consumed with our own agendas, our own schedule. God, I'm guilty, I confess. So Jesus, help us to stop and go, to look for those opportunities.
I then give you all the credit, all the glory, just as Peter and John did. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.